Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. We're excited you're here, and we hope today's message encourages you, builds your faith, and brings you hope for the future. May God bless you as you listen in to today's message. Let's get into the Word. How many of you got my sermon notes? Come on, get my sermon notes out. Amen. I hope I can get through all this because I I know when I started writing, God just inspired me to write a lot. But I want to talk to you about part two about rebuilding. I mean, you know that we're all in the stage of rebuilding, especially after what's going on in our country and in our world with COVID and all what's happened. It's kind of divided and separated us as people, as individuals, and we've been isolated so much. But last week we talked about rebuilding starts by returning home to our first love, which was Jesus. How many remember we talked about that in Revelations, that we have to come back to our first love. If we don't come back to our first love, which is Jesus, he removes his presence, his lampstands from us, and in his presence there's fullness of joy. Outside of his presence you're, you're uh, receptible to storms and confusion and lack of joy and hopelessness. But in his presence... There's fullness of joy. So everything starts out of first coming back to the Lord. That's why Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these things shall be added unto you. You can do everything you can, but anything outside of Jesus, man, is just an empty shell. You have to come to God first. Another one, Jesus knows us. Not only does he know us, he knows every hair on your head, he knows you by name, he knits you together in your mother's womb, so therefore, he understands us, and he loves us like no others. Donnie, is this not on this screen here? And he loves us like no others, that he understands you, and he knows you like no others. And then another one is this, returning home is the beginning, is the beginning of a new life, Any man be in Christ, right, 2 Corinthians 5.17, the beginning of a new life. The old things have passed away, and all things become new. So coming home is a new start. I don't know about you, how many like, man, turning into 2021. I was so glad when 2020 was over and that we could enter into a new year. It was was just something like a weight lifted off to me. I don't know about you, but it it felt like that to me. How many can relate to what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about? And it just felt like a weight was lifted off of me because we entered into a new season, the same way with Christ. It's returning home is a new beginning, new life, a new start, and a new friendship with God. I want you to check this out.
I remember that time. Hurricane Katrina was one of the deadliest hurricanes that ever hit, ma'am, there you go, thank you, that ever hit the United States. Check this out. An estimated of 1,833 people died in the hurricane. I mean, remember that. How sad. The flooding in late August of 2005 left millions homeless. Winds were in excess of 120 miles an hour on August 28th. But before that it hit Louisiana, winds reached up as high as 175 miles an hour. Eighty percent of New Orleans and large portions of other areas were flooded for weeks. Katrina was one of the most destructive storms to strike the United States, the costliest storm in U.S. history, causing an estimated of $1.8 billion in damage. And I remember when Katrina hit, when I was pastoring in Colorado, we had many of our people that went there. We had a guy that was from our church. It was a tree service business. He went to Louisiana and took his whole crew to Louisiana and started cutting down trees and was doing all these repairs there in Louisiana. We had another guy that was of our church. He had owned a concrete business, and he went and with his whole crew and helped build, rebuild the levees there in Louisiana. We had another guys, two guys from our church that were main contractors, and they owned their own contracting business, and they went and started restoring and rebuilding houses. And so those people would come back and report to us about the damage that was going on there in Louisiana. And I mean to tell you, I remember Cliff Mays, Bill Grace, Terry Lawrence, and all these guys that would come back from their reports, and they would say, Pastor, the devastation is unbelievable. The homelessness and the, the, the diseases that were going on and the sickness that was happening within the community because people were confined and everything was starting to uh, mold and all the diseases that were going on. He said it was, it was unbelievable. And I'll never forget Cliff Mays during our worship time. He came down during worship time and he was just literally broke at the altars crying. And he said, Pastor, Pastor, he said, I, I'm so overwhelmed by what's going on. But as you know, even, even to this day, they're still rebuilding Louisiana. A lot of homes are still not even intact still because of the storm. But how many of you know that after every storm, after every storm, there's a time to rebuild? We have to rebuild. But we have two choices. Either we can stay there in the valley or we can start climbing the mountain peaks. You have a choice in your life. We're all going to face storms in our lives. We're all going to go through highs and we're all going to go through lows. But if you have your notes, there's a time to rebuild. Think about this. A time to rebuild maybe your personal relationship or your personal life. Maybe you have been devastated in your own life. Maybe some tragedy has happened to you. And so, therefore, because of that, now you're downcast and you're like, man, hopeless and you're feeling painful and depressed and discouraged. Maybe it's time to rebuild your personal life. Maybe another one is a time to rebuild relationships. When storms hit, a lot of times what happens is it separates friends. It separates people. Maybe you had a storm in a relationship, and from that storm it separated you from a friend or an individual that you loved, and you allowed the storm to separate you from them. Maybe it's time to rebuild that relationship. Maybe some of you have written off some good people and good friends in your life, and maybe it's just time to say, i got to take off the gloves and restore this relationship. Another one, a time to rebuild your faith. 
Maybe your faith has been shaken. Maybe you have a big question mark on your heart right now. God, are you really real? God, are you really uh, existing in my life, God? Man, if this has happened in my life and that's happened in my life. And God, if you're really for real, why are these happening? You know, the Bible says if you want to please God, if you want to please God in your life, you need to walk into Hebrews 11, verse 6, where it says without faith, it's impossible to please God. And if you want to please God, you need to get your faith up. You need to start generating your faith again. God, I have the faith right now, God. I don't, I don't believe right now. But God said every one of us has been given a measure of faith. And God wants you to take that little measure and start growing your faith again. God doesn't care how fast you go. He just wants you to go. And so you need to encourage your faith, build up your faith again. Maybe it's time to rebuild your marriage. Maybe some of you today, they say that when Christians have some of their biggest arguments, and I want you to hear this, maybe this happened to you. True statistic, true statistic. They say that when Christians have some of their biggest arguments, guess when it is? When they're on their way to church. Getting kids ready trying to get things prepared, and all the commotion that happens to get things ready, you have your biggest arguments. We're going to be late. Man, the kids ain't ready. They ain't been fed. And boom. And then guess what? The enemy loves it because guess what? You end up not maybe coming to church. And some of your biggest arguments are during coming to church. Maybe it's time to rebuild your marriage. Maybe it's time you to rebuild starts now. That God, I, I got to rebuild and only you know the area in your life that has been destroyed. Only you know in the areas of your life that you need to repair. You know what you need to repair. Once you were lost, but now you're found. But God, I feel like I'm lost again, Lord. And I, I need to do a self-evaluation on some things in my life that I need to repair. And a lot of times, I want you to get this, a lot of times we want to look at other people and their faults and their wrongs and their ways, and we don't want to do a self-evaluation or an inventory of ourselves. And a lot of times we have to do an inventory of ourselves and say, God, what levy do I need to fix in my life, repair in my life to make me complete again? And sometimes that's hard to do. Say, God, I don't like what I see. And so you never get yourself repaired if you never address your problem. You see, listen, David, he was a shepherd boy. When he saw the giant, he had the faith to believe he could take down the giant. If he never would have ran to the giant, he never would have overcome the giant. And a lot of times giants in your life could be anything that's stopping you from succeeding or going forward in your life. Instead of running from your giant, you're running from your situation. You need to run to your giant and say enough is enough is enough. You're not stealing from me any longer. And some of you have been trapped and ensnared from your past, from circumstances, situations that have happened in your life, and the enemy has sucked the joy, the peace, the happiness out of your life, and now you're walking around like a dead corpse. And God said, listen, come back and restore and rebuild that which I started in you. And I'll tell you, one of my favorite scriptures, I have to remind myself, and I want you to write this down. I have to remind myself all the time of Philippians 1.6. You know what he says? He who began a good work in you will carry it out to completion until the day of Christ Jesus our Lord. 
Do you know that every one of us are under construction? That God is not done with you yet. You're still in the building process. God is still refining you. He's fixing things in your life. You're under construction, and we will always be under construction until the day of Jesus Christ takes us home. Don't be afraid of God rearranging, changing things in your life. It's always for the good and not for the bad. And a lot of times you resist what God has in store for you. And what God has in store for you is to bless you and not to harm you. But a lot of times you are afraid to let God in and change and rearrange that which is broken so that God can make you better. In Luke chapter 15, I love this story in Luke chapter 15. In Luke chapter 15, there it says this, is the first time that Jesus uses three parables. In this whole entire chapter, Jesus uses three parables in a row concerning the lost. The lost sheep, he left the 99. We sing about it in praise and worship, that God left the 99 and went after the one. And I love that song, right? Then the lost coin, the lady searching the house high and low, finally finds the lost coin. And she celebrates. Then the other one, the lost son, as we know, know it as the prodigal son. That here was the prodigal son, the lost coin, the one sheep, the one coin, the one soul. And every one that was found, there was a time of rejoicing. God gets excited when people come back to him and allow him to rebuild and restore. There are three levels of excitement, but the greatest was the lost son. That man, the prodigal son, returned home. How many of you know a prodigal son that maybe needs to come home or a daughter that needs to come home? How many know that? Maybe you have a, a relative that you know that needs to come home. Maybe even yourself, you need to come home. Jesus' heart breaks when we fall away from him. He rejoices and celebrates when we come back home. And in Luke chapter 15, if you're taking notes you have in front of you, the first point is this, lost hope. Lost hope. Look at what it says in Luke 15, verses 11 through 16. I, I, I love this verse of Scripture. Lost hope. He says this, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. In other words, the inheritance. Give me what belongs to me. My kids always tease my, my wife. They said, honey, they say, mom, we want dad to go before you. And come, you tell it, come because she tells it better. But they want, they want her to go before me, and I'll tell you why. Here. Okay, so we, we um, have always both agreed on living on a very strict budget. As we've gotten older, some people like to live on a tighter budget than some people would like to live on. And so they think it would be a good suggestion for me to pass away first because they're afraid if he passes away first, I'm going to go on a spending spree. And so they think the chances of them having some inheritance would be better if, if I pass away first. So, Lord, we're going to be like the notebook. How I many remember the notebook? We're going to pass away together. Amen. I love that movie. You haven't saw it? Check it out. Amen. Check it out. Right? But he says, listen, Jesus continued. He said, so he divided his property between them. In other words, he equally gave. But then he goes on to verse 13. Check this out. He goes on and says, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth 
in wild living. In other words, wild living, what do you mean by wild living? Doing things that maybe it weren't appropriate, spending money carelessly. You know, they, they say that football players, as soon as they retire, are the ones that go bankrupt before any other athlete, the football players do, that they squander their money and they get rid of their money and they do all this wild living and they spend money foolishly. And that's what he was doing. Then he goes on to say, after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country. And he began to be in need. How many of you know that, man, when things get tight, I love this. When I was going to college and things were getting tight at college and, man, all I had was red beans and rice. And I'll tell you, ramen noodles in college are a miracle. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Ramen noodles were 27 cents at the time to buy one of those packages. And, man, it got me through the day. And I'll tell you, but when things got tight, guess what I did? I always ran back home. I knew that I could go back home and my mom and my dad were there to help me, right? You know what I'm talking about? And he says this, not long after that he lived, he said, after he had spent everything, there's a severe, severe famine in the whole country and he began to be in need. And in verse 15, watch this, check this out. So he went and hired himself out to the citizens of that country who sent him to his friends to feed the pigs. Wow. Talk about a low life. Talk about going backwards. Talk about losing hope. But then I love this. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Talk about lost hope at a place in his life where he is hopeless. Anything outside of God is only temporary, but what with God is everlasting. Anything outside of God is temporary. We can have all the riches in the world. Solomon, the greatest, wisest man on the planet, writes in Ecclesiastes, everything that I gained and everything I had was like a chasing after the wind. He realized that what really was sustaining in his life wasn't all the materials and wealth and this, that, and the other thing, but the sustaining thing in my life was God. That he has to be first and foremost in my life, or otherwise everything else was a chasing after wind. Everything, everlasting joy, everlasting peace, everlasting hope, and everlasting guidance and direction. That's what God gives to us. He gives us the everlasting, things that never stop. It reminds me of Willy Wonka, the everlasting gobstopper. Man, it, God is like the everlasting gobstopper. He never stops giving. He always provides. He always guides. He always directs. He always protect, protects your life. The enemy always gives his best first, and after that, it's all downhill. How many know what I'm talking about? It's all downhill after that. He gives you his best. That's his lure. That's his trap. He wants you to devour the, the bait, just like the apple. You know, the whole start of Adam and Eve gave his best, and everything else was that. It was downhill from that. The lost son had a Hurricane Katrina experience. He was homeless, broke, and without any friends, but pigs. Man, that's pretty low. You know what I'm talking about? That's pretty low in, in our life. Time to rebuild. When you are at the bottom of your life, friends scatter. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. They're scattered. But Jesus gathers with you and in your brokenness. That God said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. It's a time to rebuild. The second part is this, if you've got notes, is the rebuilding begins. How does rebuilding begin? Look at what happened when rebuilding began for the prodigal or lost son. In Luke chapter 15, 17 through 21, 
the building begins. When he came to a census, in other words, he had an about face. I had a, he had a, as, as my kids would say, Dad, you had a brain fart. He came to a census, and he got to, came to reality that, wait a minute, I thought that all this wild living, and I thought that all this stuff was going to be tangible, was going to be great, was going to be awesome, and all it led was to, man, downhill, and it, it, man, was a spiral that, man, led me to destruction in my life, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life, and I thought all this was supposed to be great. Came to his census, and here's the census. He said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And look what he says. And here I am, starving to death. Wow. Came to his senses and realized it's time to rebuild. It's time to change my circumstance. It's time to do an about face. It's time to say, God, I surrender my will and I pick up your will. I take up your cross and I follow you. I come to my senses that, God, my way is not leading the right way. My way is leading down a dead end, but, God, your way leads the path of righteousness. And he came to his senses. And he goes on to say, I will set out and go back to my father and stay to say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. Notice that repentance, that brokenness of heart. You know what happens a lot of times? Can I be real straight with you? A lot of times with believers, what we'll do is the Bible says pride goes before a fall. And while a lot of times we are so prideful sometimes to come back and maybe ask for help. We are so prideful sometimes to admit that we have mistakes in our lives. We are so prideful sometimes to admit that I have sinned and I made a mistake. I, we are so prideful sometimes that that pride will hold us back from the fullness that God has in our lives. And we're prideful because, man, I don't want to admit that I'm weak. But sometimes we have to come back to our senses and realize that, hey, I need to do an about faith. I need to do a change of direction. I need to do a course of direction, change of course in my life because, God, it's not working here. And I have to admit I was wrong, and I have to come back, Lord, and eat pride and say, God, I want to get right again. And sometimes that's what we have to do. I remember when my sister Rhonda, she's my older sister, and I have six sisters and my, and my little brother and Rhonda, she had this attitude that she wanted to uh, have a wild life. And she got married at a real young age. She got married when she was just, just barely out of high school. And uh, she married a guy, his name was Tony. And Rhonda married him, and, man, she was going through all kinds of stuff in her life. And I'll never forget, man, she was just at the lowest of lows. Tony left her after they got married and all this stuff that was just happened in her life. And she's listening today. Man, she went through, man, just H-E-L-L-L with toothpicks. And I'll never forget, man, she tried and she resisted. She didn't want to come back home. She didn't want to, man, come back to man the, the family. And she was living a life of anger. And finally one day she came to her senses. I'll never forget. She lived in Sturdivant, Wisconsin. We lived in Racine. And finally Rhonda came. And I'll never forget the day. 
we were at the kitchen table. We were eating as a family with my, at that time, my four sisters and my brother because my other older sister was gone. And my mom, she came into the house and, man, her cheekbones were sunken in and her face and she was, man, starving and she was in a really rough shape in her life. Never forget this, Renee. She walked into the kitchen and, man, at first I didn't even recognize my own sister. And she got, true story, she got to the table and she put her arms on the table and she collapsed and she started crying. She said, Mom, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Please accept me back. My four sisters and my brother, we all gathered around my sister Rhonda and we loved her. And from that point on, when she started rebuilding her life, she married a, a guy named Dennis. And Dennis is a full-blooded Italian, mamma mia, that's a spicy meatball. <laughs> and they have three beautiful kids, two girls and a boy. And I mean, God didn't about face in my sister Rhonda's life. She wanted to go out and thought she could do it all on her own. And now today, my sister Rhonda is doing very well. But sometimes in life, rebuilding starts by letting go and saying, God, I got to let go of yesterdays. I got to let go of my pains. It's not worth it. I always say that bitterness doesn't hurt the one who causes it as much as the one who harbors it. And some of you may have bitterness and hatred and anger and rage and unforgiveness in your life. Let me ask you, is it worth it? The beginning of rebuilding in your life is coming back to your sense say, God, I need to come back home where it's safe, where it's fulfilling, where it's promising in my life. And that's what this man did. You see, listen, rebuilding begins when you let Jesus in. That's when it starts. We need a resurrection experience in our life, dying to self and rising with him. Coming to your senses is the beginning of things that God wants to do. In John chapter 10, verse 10, many of you can quote this by, by my memory. The thief, the enemy, comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Can I ask you a question? What is he stealing from you? Your joy, maybe your peace, maybe your marriage, maybe relationships, maybe your job. You see, here's how you can identify what the enemy is stealing from you. What are you angry about? The things that maybe you're angry about is the area where the enemy is stealing. Otherwise, you wouldn't defend it. Otherwise, you wouldn't be angry. So ask yourself. Why are you angry about your job? Maybe because the enemy wants to take it from you. Maybe because the enemy is trying to point, pinpoint that, trying to get you to walk away. Maybe he's pointing at your marriage. Maybe he's pointing at your kids. Maybe he's pointing at a relationship. Whatever you're angry about, that's where the enemy is touching. And what he's touching, he's trying to steal. 
So you need to be aware. That's why the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 2.11, for we are not unaware of the enemy's schemes. I know where the enemy is scheming. I know what he's trying to do. He keeps touching that button. And so that button that he's touching is what he's trying to steal from me. So shoe fly, don't you bother me anymore because I have identified the thief and the thief comes no more to steal. Right? And so what happens is, what are you angry about? Are you angry about finances? He's probably touching your finances. And when you touches your finances, what happens? Your spouse or your kids become the punching bag. Right? Come on. You know what I'm talking about. Somebody say, ouch. Somebody say, pastor, quit stepping on my bunions. But it's true. He comes to kill Rob and destroy. What's he destroying? He's destroying relationships. All these things. But Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That's what Jesus wants. We all stand at a fork in the road. We either choose life or death. It's up to you. Romans 6, 23. Wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. You got that fork. Am I going to choose life or am I going to choose death? We can't force you to do it. We can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. You have to make the conscious effort that, God, I'm going to change and I'm going to do these things in my life. The celebration begins. Returning home. And when you return home, the celebration begins. Check this out. Celebration begins in Luke chapter 15, verses 22 through 24. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and the sandals on his feet. Woohoo! look at the celebration. He said, bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. Can I ask you a question? Why is it that we can sing every kind of praise and worship song and walk away and forget about them? But if we sing some of the songs like this, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that once saved a wretch like me, I once was lost, but now oh, I am found, was blind, but now I see. Why is it that we can remember that song? Because that song points us back home. I once was lost, God. Thank God that God doesn't reject you. He's not a God of rejection. He said, he who comes to me, he will no way cast aside as orphans, that God accepts you just as you are. Rebuilding begins. He goes on, the son of mine was dead he was lost and now is found, so begin to celebrate. I love this, and you have this on your thing. Why did he say the ring? Look at this, the results of returning home. The robe. 
The robe was the family distinction that this is my son in whom I am well pleased. The Bible says in Peter, he says, don't you know that you are a royal priesthood, people belonging to God, that God puts his best on you. That same robe that they were lotting for Jesus and they were casting lots for his robe and his garments is the same robe he put on you. You are distinctive. You are a child of God. You are a king's kid. You are important to God. You're not just a number, but you're a person who has a soul, who has a life, and who has a beginning with Christ. You are part of the family of God. The ring. The ring was the family authority. That God giving you back that authority. Luke chapter 9 says that, man, he's giving you authority to put the enemy under your feet. That he's giving you that authority. The time is, man, that God is giving you that position. When sickness comes to your house, don't you sit there and waddle in it. You stand up and take authority because you have a ring on your finger. That's a segment of God. That God's spirit lives in me. That same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in you. That same spirit that raised Jesus, guess what? The Bible says you will do greater things than I have. When sickness comes to your house, you need to rise up and look at your finger and say, no, there's a ring on my finger, and that ring on my finger stands for authority. And devil, I take authority over you, and I place you under my feet. You have no resistance here. You have no power here. You have no strength here. Shoe fly, don't bother me. Come on, somebody say amen. You have to use that authority. That's what the results of coming home is. Another one is this. The sandals worn by the sun are contrasted with a barefoot slave, that you are no longer slaves. It means when you have your sandals on that you are free indeed. There is now no condemnation in those who love the Lord. The feast was a time to celebrate the returning home that God is celebrating with you. When you return home, the party begins. Life is renewed. Your sins are forgiven and hope is restored. Somebody say amen. Come on, Macy. That's what God says. Being home and staying home is not an easy journey. How many know it's true? It's not an easy journey. You must remain anchored to him. You got to stay there. Let me tell you something. This road with, with the Lord is not a bed of roses. It's not easy. Let me tell you, it's not easy sometimes being a Christian. Man, you're faced with temptations all around you. Everywhere you go, you're faced with temptation. You look at a TV, there's temptation on the TV. You walk down the street, there's whatever you go, there's temptation. And you got to be anchored to the Lord. You got to be anchored to God in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 17 through 20. And I need to move quickly. It says this because, of, because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to his heirs, and that's you and me, of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. And here's the oath. Now watch this. You got to get this. Get this in your heart. He says, God did this so that by two unchangeable things, here's the first one, in which is impossible. For God to lie. God's word is established forever. One of the things that you need to understand, that God doesn't lie, but the enemy does. The Bible says that the enemy is the father of lies. John 8, verse 44. He says that the devil is the author of lies, the father of confusion. God doesn't lie. So when you feel that it's contrary to the word of God, you need to tell that, hey, voice, you need to stop speaking to me. You need to tell the peanut gallery to stop speaking lies to your spirit. Stop speaking lies to your mind because you need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Everything starts with a thought. A thought turns into a seed. A seed turns into a tree. A tree turns into the fruit. What fruit are you 
bearing in your life. And you got to be careful. Don't let that peanut gallery speak to you and tell you that, man, you're going down, you're going under, and that's all these things. God will not lie. He doesn't contrary to his word of God. So if it doesn't line up for the word of God, don't receive it. How many know what I'm talking about? Man, you know, I know this is a strong word, but it's, it's, and he goes on to say, impossible for him to lie. And he goes on, for we have this hope as an anchor for our soul, an anchor, an anchor established and holds things in place, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain, only God, where the forerunners Jesus has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in order to melt, in order of Melchizedek. In other words, what does he do? He goes behind the curtain on our behalf and intercedes for us, right? But if you have your notes, listen. Ask yourself this question. Is what you're hooked to, is what you're hooked to stronger than what you will go through? Think about that. Is what you're hooked to stronger than what you go through? Wow. You know, uh, I have a, a pontoon boat, and several years ago, how many remember the straight winds that came through here on July 4th? Remember the straight winds that came through here and destroyed everything, man, especially out in Voyager Village? And uh, out in Voyager Village, man, it was kind of crazy because on one side of our lake in Kadat Lake there, all the boats were overturned, just all of them just overturned. And they were just flipped over, pontooned, everything. But on our side of the lake, uh, east side of the lake, our boats weren't touched. And I talked to a guy, he used to be a captain in one of the seas uh, that, in California, and he, he was a captain. And he was saying, he said, you know what, a lot of these boats could have been saved if they would have anchored right. And I said, well, what do you mean if they anchor the boats right? He said, well, when a storm comes in, he said, you put anchors on each corner of the boat. So you got four anchors, and he said, you don't tie them down tight. You, you don't tie them down real tight. You leave them loosely so that when the waves come, they can go sideways or whatever, but if you put anchors and tie them down, not tight, but kind of loosely, he said they won't flip over. In other words, they'll manage through the storm if they're anchored correctly. You got that? If they're anchored correctly in your life. And if you're going through storms of life and this journey is not easy. Like I said, life is not a bed of roses with God because roses have the biggest thorns. But life is a lot easier with Jesus because you have a friend that sticks closer to you than a brother. You have a shepherd that's going to guide you, lead you, and protect you if you stay home. you got to be anchored to him. But when you go through storms of life, which we all face, the Bible says don't be surprised by these things in 1 Peter 4.12. Don't be surprised by these attacks. They're going to happen. You're going to be attacked physically. You're going to be attacked financially. You're going to be attacked in your marriage. You're going to be attacked uh, uh, emotionally. You're going to be attacked with these things in your life. But my question to you, are you anchored right? Are you anchored right in your life? Real quickly, and i got to move. I'm going to blow through this. The four anchors to help you remain at home. Number one, the anchor of purpose. Like I said, I'm just going to blow through it. The anchor of purpose. Your purpose does not change. you got to get this. Your purpose does not change in the storms. So focus on your purpose. You are a dad. You are a mom. 
It doesn't change when you're going through the storms. It doesn't mean you're a bad dad. It doesn't mean you're a bad mom. It doesn't mean you're a bad kid. When you're going through the storms, remember your purpose. You're a great dad. You're a king's kid. You're a great mom. You're a great daughter. You're a great son. Your purpose never changes. You are established in God. And what happens is, guys, you lose your purpose and you start saying to yourself, I must be a loser. I'm not a good provider. You see, guys want to feel honored. Ladies want to feel secure. And what happens is what goes on in your life is you lose your purpose. Stop beating yourself up. You're your worst critic. You are who you are. When you are going through the storms, do not quit. Remind yourself of your purpose. My purpose is, man, I'm going to be the best dad that I can be. I'm going to be the best mom I can be. Am I make mistakes? Absolutely. I have three great kids, but you know what? In raising my kids, was I perfect? Absolutely not. None of us are perfect. And if you are, let me get your autograph, Jesus. Another one is this, anchor to the courage. Get some courage up. When the storms come, and they will come, just don't get up. Don't give up. Get your courage up. Get your courage up. I got a song for that, but I don't got time to sing it. Got to get your courage up. You got to get your courage up. Courage is not the absence of fear. Get this. It's not the absence of fear. It is going through the storms in spite of the fear. It's going through it. Man, I'm, I'm going to go through it. The anchor of worship. Man, you read those Acts, Acts 16, verses 24 through 31. You read that later. Christians are not supposed to whine in the storm. We are supposed to worship. Worship. God, I'm going to worship you. I'm going to worship you. You know what? It takes more muscles to frown than it does to smile. And the enemy wants you to, man, start whining, man, look at this, that, and the other thing. When you have a grateful heart, a grateful heart will lift you up. Worship is God's address. When we begin to worship him, he shows up. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. The anchor of church, I love this one. This is where COVID-19 has separated people. The Bible says don't forsake the assembling of the brethren. And the enemy loves to do that to get you isolated from one another. I get energized when I'm around you. And I pray that when we come together here as a congregation, that we energize one another. That the church is a church that we're uplifting and we're life-giving. When we go to church, when we go through problems, don't run from church. Run to it. I love this. We are not a bunch of perfect people, but we are a people who love God and love you. And if you think there's a perfect church, go to it. And when you go to it, guess what? You're going to make it imperfect. There is no perfect church. There is none. I love this one because this pertains to me. There is no perfect church, no perfect pastor. I'll be the first to tell you, 
I'll probably let you down here or there. I'll probably say things from the pulpit that might offend you. There is no perfect church, no perfect pastor, and no perfect you. We are all trying our best for him and nothing less. That's what it's all about. Stay anchored to him and watch and see his goodness. So how to be returning home? Stay anchored, guys. Will you stand with me this morning? I want to encourage you this morning. I, thank you, visitors. A lot of visitors here today. I'm looking across this congregation. Thank you for being here today. God bless you guys. I mean that. Thank you for being here back there with your broken hand. Or thank you for being here. I mean that. Thank you. Will you guys do me a favor, all you visitors? Go to the visitor table. We have a gift for you. Please fill out a card. There's so many. We've been missing visitors, but we have a gift for you back there. But I want to pray over you this morning. I, I truly do. And I don't just pray this lightly, Gary. I mean this from my heart. That man that we pray and see God. and You know, uh, that God will bless you when you're going in and you're going out. Can I believe that with you this morning? Father, this morning, I thank you for this wonderful congregation. I love them so dearly. Every time I'm with them, Lord, I get energized. Because my heart, man, just feels their heart, their love, their compassion. And I pray in Jesus' name that today, Lord, that they will recognize that returning home, man, God, rebuilding starts by giving it all to you. By giving it all to you, that we make a choice to let go of the pains, the sorrows, the scars. Scars are only reminders, not of our past, but of our victories that we made it through the past. And I pray that, God, you will bless each individual. Bless them, Lord, and they're going in and going out. Meet their needs financially, physically, spiritually, emotionally. Open the windows of heaven to them and let the joy of the Lord be their strength. We thank you, Father, and we praise you. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening to today's message. If this message has encouraged you in any way, please consider giving to Adventure Church to help continue this ministry. Giving is safe and easy through our website at www.adventurechurchsiren.com. Thank you for your generous support.